This is episode 173 of the Inner Fight Podcast. We bring you Inner Talks 4. Welcome to Inner Fight Podcast. My name is Marcus Smith, founder of InnerFight.com. In this podcast, we bring you the audio version of Inner Talks 4. Of course, if you missed the event and you want to see the videos, just hop over to InnerFight.com slash InnerTalks4 where all the videos are posted. No matter where you are in the world, thanks for tuning in. Let's jump right in. Yeah, that's good. Before we start, I want to say a big thank you to Dr. James, who takes care of all the audio and everything for us. You can listen to him every night on Nightline on 103.8. He's got some interesting information to share and interviews really interesting people sometimes. Everyone's had an experience. Everyone has a choice. Everyone has moments of clarity. That's why we can learn from everyone. It doesn't matter if you're on the front cover of Time magazine or your job is to sweep up the streets because we can learn from everyone. We all encounter situation, situations, frightening ones, telling ones. Some choose to face them head on and others crawl into a shell. That's why we can learn from everyone. Some people talk, but others speak. Some watch, but others hear, see. Some hear, but others listen. And that's why we can learn from everyone. And everyone's woken up one morning, and something is different. Welcome to Inner Talks 4, and I really want to thank everyone for being here this morning, taking an hour out to listen to what I personally believe is five incredibly different, inspirational, motivational, not too much pressure on them, people. We'll jump into the first one, who's a guy I met about five years ago in a gym. It was a very small gym, and we were doing a workout that was a competition, and he absolutely murdered me. I'd never seen him before, and I was like, who on earth is this guy? And I forgave him for that, and we've worked out against each other since, and he's won some workouts, and I've won some, so we're, we're at peace with that. But one thing that struck me about this guy is that I spoke to him, and, and I said, is this the first time you've been to Dubai? And he said, no, I was here recently. I said, oh, what are you doing here? He goes, I'm going to set up a business. I was like, oh, okay, that sounds cool. He said, I'm going to set up a health and performance company. I said, you've only been here twice. He goes, yeah, I just get a great feeling about the place. I liked him from the first moment I met him, and hopefully he's going to share a little bit of his story with us this morning about how he made his dream in Dubai come to life. Ladies and gentlemen, Ian Horton. Hello. All right, so uh, I was 10 years old, and my parents got divorced. My mother took us back to Norway, where she was from, and my father stayed back in the UK. Um, fast forward six years, my mother's taking care of my brother and I, and sh- her back totally breaks down. She's got two months, more or less, outside of work, and more or less lying on her back all the time. And um, I had no clue, obviously, how to help her, um, and did not have very much or any experience with this type of situation. So one evening, we're on the sofa at home watching TV. She's lying down. I've got her feet on my lap, and just out of... Um, pure reflex start rubbing her feet just massaging away and not having any idea again what I was doing just bouncing off some feedback from her saying I, that, that, you know what that goes all the way up my back I feel that all the way up through my leg that feels exactly the same pain in my lower back and, but it's a good pain it's a good bad pain um, and I'm just working off that sensation and four or five minutes I guess is what I'm, what I'm doing and then can't remember the rest of that evening, go to bed, woken up by her the next morning, shaking me, saying, my back is so much better, I could get up out of bed, I don't know what you did, you have to have some healing hands. And those 
healing hands or the um, motivation from my mother to seek some kind of manual therapy profession led me one year later at some kind of, uh, it was a, a conference or a fair for education for high school students. I went looking for the medical department or area and I found the Scandinavian College of Manual Medicine. They had a stand there and they were promoting their course, obviously. And they recommended if you wanted to learn anything about how to work in the manual medicine industry, they said you should go and do this massage course. We've got this three-day course. You can get introduced to a, an instructor who's a napropath, which is the profession that you get from this course. Um, and he'll tell you all about it, and you'll get to be able to try to, to use your hands and, and work with people. So about two months later, I did that. I showed up. I was just turned 17, and there were 16 other women and myself, the only boy. Um, and I met this instructor there who was absolutely super inspirational. He seemed to know every single thing there was to know about the human body and how to fix it, and he was great with the women. So, so he was a total inspiration to me, and I decided from that day that this is what I want to do, and this guy is going to help me get there, and one day I'm going to be better than him. So he challenged me, being the only boy over that weekend, and we got a good relationship going. So he owned a company called Manumedic that did a ton of different manual medicine courses. I started doing them one after the other, which is rare for someone at my age to be already very dedicated towards a certain cause. I was going to go to this college and I was going to become better than him. That was my only real goal at the moment. So I, I managed to get into the school after, after lots of work on um, working as a sports masseuse for a while and a personal trainer and then a muscle joint therapist, which was a step before getting onto this course. And just with that aspiration of trying to become better than him, I was experienced meeting lots of great people and some great opportunities. And by the time I was 25, I worked for and consulted for top Premiership League football um, com sorry, teams and then also the NHL and the, um, and the NBA. So very fortunate at an early age, um, just from meeting the right people and putting in a lot of hard work. Um, today I'm also very fortunate to be able to teach now for the academy that this, uh, in, this guy who's now my mentor who inspired me, he runs the academy for personal training in Oslo and Sweden. Um, so I, I teach there um, and I uh, normally have some tips and some advice I give the students before they leave. And that's what I wanted to share with you today. So number one is when I ask what type of direction do you go towards within the, the role of personal training or within health and fitness, I normally tell them to choose something that you're already very good at. Don't go by something that you, you um, really enjoy or that you are just your passion because let, let your passion be your hobby. Let your passion remain your passion. Um, I felt like I fell into that trap of going into a profession that was my passion and now I can't separate between work and social life. Okay? It's no longer my passion, it's work. So today I try to te uh, tell people to don't do that mistake. Follow something that you're really good at and allow something that you have as a passion to remain your passion. Secondly, um, if you want to be better than the average Joe and the average person in your industry, which I hope everyone here does, you have to be willing to do things that the average person in the industry does not do. You need to be willing to put in the extra time and effort into both your education and to your dedication towards your work. You need to um, have an attitude where you do not want to accept mediocrity and you have to be able to push yourself to a much higher level of whatever you're doing in your industry. Um, thirdly, I would say that you have to find yourself a mentor because they can help you take shortcuts, they can help you not make the mistakes that they've done, and they can speak out, speak out of experience and learn lots of valuable lessons. Um, number four, when you're trying to make decisions, again, on what direction to take within your career, try to work backwards in life. Try to find out what's your end goal, what type of everyday situation do you want to have, what type of salary do you want to have? What type of people do you want to work with? Look at your end goal and work backwards. From the very beginning, start making decisions that will push you towards that end goal. Otherwise, you're going to end up 
working for 10, 20 years of your life before you find out that this isn't what I want to do. Uh, you need to be sincere, uh, transparent, and uh, keep your integrity. Otherwise, you're going to be called, as a, called a bluff, and your people are going to lose respect for you. So in order to keep fruitful and meaningful uh, relationships and be honest and transparent and have good values, make sure that your, um, your hearts are in the right place. And then finally, just make sure that you're not afraid to take chances, take risks, be bold. Um, that's the only way that you can learn is from your own mistakes. Um, I keep on asking myself, as Marcus said, when I came out here, um, I sold my apartment in Stockholm, Sweden, to finance um, the, the operations down here. I kept my mortgage, didn't tell the bank. Um, so I, that was the way that I, I managed to come down here. I brought my, my fiancé at the time and my best mate, who was going to help me set up the company. I had a full one-night stay at a hotel in Barsha. Um, and that was everything I had set up at the moment. And I just had a, a lot of money in my bank account, which felt great at the moment. Um, so, so that's more or less how I started. And um, the question I, I asked myself is, what's the worst thing that can happen? And I think that's something that's, uh, for most of us, the worst situation that can happen isn't really that bad. So take a risk and um, follow your dreams. Yeah? Thank you, Marcus. Thank you, Ian. Our next speaker, I was thinking last night how I was going to introduce him. And I was thinking about all these different experiences that we'd had, times that we'd shared, and then I got it down to one. He moved over to Dubai. His brother introduced us by, I think, Facebook. And he came here wanting to start a new life. And I don't want to ruin his story, but the first few months... It wasn't so smooth. And we sort of sat down one day and we agreed on a plan. And he sort of gave me this look. He just looked at me and he goes, yeah, mate, it'll work. He's three years later, an incredible coach for us, a very good friend. And he's unfortunately by far the best table tennis player in the gym. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, Matt Jones. Thanks, Marcus. That's the, uh, that's a really good introduction there. You know, I was going to talk about table tennis straight away, but I'll save that to the end, so it's okay. Um, firstly, uh, thanks everyone for being here. Thanks for you know taking the time to, you know, not go to work too early. You know, go there a little bit later. They'll understand. I'm speaking. It's okay. So, um, firstly, you know, getting into the industry, it wasn't uh, that straightforward. I uh, when I was at school, I sort of had an idea of what I wanted to do. It started with like maybe being a builder, and then I was like, well, hang on. Uh, wearing short shorts for you know a long period of time doesn't really suit my physique, so I was like, okay, that's not going to work. Uh, and plus, whistling at girls when I go past the you know building site—it's just never been my thing either. So I was like, no. And then uh, a lot of my friends wanted to get into uh, business, and then when I'd say to them, okay, maybe I could do that, and then I'd ask them, well, what do you mean by business? And then I'd be like, oh, I'm just going to do uh, business, and I'm like, yeah, but what do you mean? So the answers just didn't convince me. Um, then I thought of maybe I want to be a cop. Hi. That's better. Maybe I want to be a cop. And then um, I really thought about it. Um, I know I would have been put in South Auckland, which is a pretty uh, you know rough area. And I don't think that what I'd see at work, I know for a fact that I would take that home with me as well. So I just think it, it just wouldn't have worked. So... I decided to join a gym called uh, Clive Green. Yeah, no one's heard of that gym. Um, and uh, it started with like, so I joined, I convinced another mate to join, and then I convinced another mate, another mate, before you know it, there were like seven of eight or eight of us there, which is really cool. Like, you'd get home from work or uni, there was, um, you had to use a landline back then, no cell phones, no Facebook, no Instagram. It's quite cool. And um, so you'd be like, hey, keen to work out? And they'd be like, yep, okay, cool. Hey, mate, you keen to work out? Oh, well, uh, next. Put it out. Keen to work out? Yep, great. Next person. Some girl answers. Keen to work out? Yeah, sweet, let's do it. 
And so uh, before you know it, there's about eight of us in there working out. Well, thinking we're working out, you know, three to four leg exercises, but definitely seven to eight chest exercises later. It was great. And um, I started to take a little interest in what, uh, what I was seeing and looking at other trainers being there, you know, training other people, obviously. And so I was kind of like, all right, so maybe I'll uh, decide to join a, uh, like a short course. I didn't want to jump straight into a degree or a diploma because I wasn't too sure what I was going to do. And um, I ended up doing my placement there, which is, you know, 30 voluntary hours. I think they just only made me do 15, but anyway. <laughs> um, and I ended up asking the trainers. I was kind of like, well, this is my way of learning, you know. Do I really want to be in this industry? So I went up to this guy, and his name was uh, Matt. And he was probably a bit taller than me, maybe 10 years older than me. And I was like, yeah, okay, this is going to go well. Okay, I'm going to ask. So I just went up to him straight up, and I just said, hey, mate, what do you do around here? And then he... He looked at me and goes, well, you see, Matt, I just, I just walk around and I'm just trying to have sex with every girl I see. And I'm like, okay, I better, that's cool, but I better go ask someone else. So, anyway. And I went up to this, uh, this other guy. And if I had seen what was written on his T-shirt, I probably wouldn't have gone up to him. But I went up to him and you know, his sleeves were like up to here or something, you know, like both sides. So I was like, okay, what do you do? And then he was just like, ah. Uh, well, you see, and he just started going on and on about supplements, 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 and just, I don't know what he was trying to say. And I just looked at him and I just went, look, I've already forgotten what you've said. Um, and then, from what I can recall, it said, like, big boy on his T-shirt. So I was just like, look, this isn't, this isn't going to work. And uh, cut a long story short, I just found that the answers I was getting from these trainers just wasn't that convincing at all. And then I was almost like, do I actually want to be in this industry? So um, after doing my placement... They asked me if I wanted to stay on at the gym and work there, and I just, I just said no because I just didn't see any future there. So um, I was doing my – I decided to go into a diploma after that, which was like a year course or something. And uh, I, um, a friend of mine actually, she approached me, and she just goes, look, uh, there's, a, uh, there's a job available there at uh, Les Mills. No one's heard of that gym? Okay, it's all good. Um, and I was like, okay, cool, as a trainer? Yeah, yeah. And she was like, no, 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 as a uh, receptionist. And I was like, say what? And then she was like, a receptionist. And I went, she was like, no, no, it's all good. It's a good way to get your foot in the door, you know, just, just get in there. So I was like, oh, okay. So I got my CV together. Well, actually, she helped me out. It's all good. And um, I went there. And from what I, her name was Jess. She interviewed me. Things were going great. You know, I thought I was actually answering your questions extremely well. But she just gave me this look after about four questions, I think. So clearly, I don't think I was getting the questions right. And... um. She just goes, can you just wait here, like, one minute? I went, yeah, sure. So here's me thinking, you know, like, I've got this in the bag. I've got the job. It's all good. Two minutes went by, and I'm like, ah, where is she? And then I was thinking she was just hiding around the corner, just looking at me, just going, okay, well, okay, maybe he's just going to leave because I feel I don't want to tell him that we don't want you here. So I was just saying, three minutes went by, and I'm thinking, okay, this is not good. Although she did have my CV on her. Like, she didn't leave me with the CV, so I waited. And then she comes back and goes, hey, look, the PT manager's upstairs. You want to be a personal trainer, right? And I was just like, yeah, I do. So I started working at that gym for around about a year, and then I had to move to the other side of Auckland. So I was like, okay. So I got my experience here. Um, I was really enjoying the industry, but I still didn't want to be at that gym. So I decided to enroll into or get a job at another gym called Body Tech. And what I liked about this gym, the pay to start with was not good at all. It was crap. Um, but what I liked about it, there was a lot of in-house training, that was going to happen for me. Um, so it was almost like getting another university degree. And um, one thing that my previous personal manager, manager said was, hey, you should, um, if you can find a decent personal trainer that you respect, you should get personal trained by them. And here's me, like 17 years old, going, I don't need to be personal trained. What are you talking about? Uh, I finally found someone who I thought, you know, I'll be able to learn from. And he now runs three successful CrossFits in Auckland now. And um, yeah, I, I learned, it was just a really big eye-opener for me. So I was like, okay, cool. Uh, he, you know, he always asked, like, when are you coming back? You've got to come work for me. And I'm just like, oh, two years. Two years goes by. He goes, so when are you coming back? And I'm like, uh, another two years. Marcus, he's actually stopped asking me now, so it's, it's all good. Um, so, however, I was, here was me just thinking, okay, I love what I do. People are going, like, why are you working these long hours? Like, you're just, you know, I'm like, well, Look, mate, relax. Shut your face. Uh, like I said, I love what I do, so I'm going to continue doing that. And then I ended up moving over to North Australia. Okay, so that was like a bit of a you know step out of my comfort zone. And then 
as it happens, I was, uh, uh, I was with the girl at the time, and we moved over. Um, we had two other friends that moved over as well. And so we were living in the same house. Everything was great. And then within about uh, probably about two years after being there, uh, we decided we should start a family. So it was like, okay, let's do that. Happened, everything was happening, and then all of a sudden it was just like um, I found out that the baby wasn't happening anymore. And that was like probably the worst news I'd heard in my life. I still trained that day. Um, I know some people might think, hey, what are you doing? But that was just my way of dealing with the bad news. And then before you know it, um, I knew I was coming to Dubai. So my brother said, well, I spoke to my mum first. She said, call your brother. I called my brother, and then he just basically said, look, why don't you come over here and stay with us for a few months? And I was like, hey, sweet, I'll do that. Um, then, you know, hopped off the plane, went for a two-hour nap. It turned into 15 hours. I couldn't believe what was happening, but it was the best sleep I've had in my life. And I met Marcus and um, rolled up. We're five minutes late. He said, Nick said, look, he's probably going to give you 50 burpees, but he didn't. I think he was a bit intimidated by me or I don't know. And, um, yeah, had a good workout. Uh, got to meet Marcus, obviously. And now three gyms later, look where we're at. But, you know, that sign up there, I mean, this is a great place. The table tennis over there, um, whatever workplace you work in, you've got to get one. Okay, even if you're not good at it, it doesn't take long to get good at it, all right? Um, not only have I met a lot of uh, good people that I work with and that I train, but I also met my beautiful wife here as well. She's around there somewhere, so there she is. Um, she's really uh, supportive with uh, the, the decisions that I'm going to make in life, and I really appreciate that. And um, one thing about the last thing I'm going to wrap it up here, table tennis. So <laughs> I was watching uh, Phil over here. He actually sent me this uh, video and it was an epic rally. It was about 50 shots. That's cool. Seriously, it's 50 shots. You've got to watch this rally. I'll tell you about it later. And um, one thing I learned from it is that one guy's really attacking, attacking, attacking. And this guy's just on defense, you know, just going around. And you think the point's going to be over, but it's not. And uh, what I can say is that that point, that, that guy that was a struggling, you know, he ends up winning the point, the rally of, like, the year. And um, what I can say is that no matter what life throws at you, um, it's, that doesn't matter at all. It's how you respond. Okay, so thanks for listening, guys. Appreciate it. Thanks a lot, Matt. Our next speaker is another product of someone that's spoken and introduced someone to me. So I thank Tom for that. And it wouldn't be right not to share a story with you a little bit about her. I don't know a great deal about her, but she works in PR and she organizes events. And I went to one this week, and I was one of four blokes in a room of 30 women. Guys, Zahira. Thanks, Marcus. I can't say that I've ever been introduced as the PR and events girl who puts four boys in a room of 30 girls, but most men are pretty happy with that, so hopefully you are too. Um, good morning, everybody. When Tom initially came to me and said, Z, there's these amazing talks that go on once a month. Do you want to do it? I said, yeah, good. I'm on board. Let's do it. And they're inspirational. And then I stopped. And it was too late because I'd already said yes. And I'm a commitment person. And I thought, oh, dear. I talk every day for a living. I play with words, sometimes lie to people. I'm in PR. Don't judge me. But when I have to inspire people and motivate them, that's when I get a little bit nervous. So I've been racking my brain for a while as to what could I possibly say to a room of people that probably are more inspirational to me from fitness, health, media, marketing, all sorts of industries. But what could I say to them that could inspire them? And I've been going back and forth, bouncing ideas off my partner who's standing at the back there with beady eyes going, I hope you took notes when I was talking to you. And I thought, you know what, at the end of the day, I've got to stick to what's true and what's real about me. So here's my story. I am South African. Um, I've moved here about four and a half years ago. Initially before moving, there was a gamble between going to the UK and doing my master's and coming to Dubai. Being someone that does love sunshine, I thought the UK is probably not the best place for me. So moved over to Dubai, started a job that initially I thought would be the dream job. It was fashion, I'm a girl, I like my shoes, I like my makeup. What could possibly go wrong? Heading up a marketing team for multi-brands, luxury brands, I'm living the dream. Not quite. It was possibly the worst 
seven months of my entire life. I was, and for those of you who know me, I'm definitely not quiet. Definitely not. You won't miss me in a room, generally. I was quiet. I was introverted. I was miserable. Counting hours in a workday is something I've never, ever done. I was literally watching the minutes tick by in that job. After seven months, I thought, you know what? Just let it go. I don't manage money well. I admit it. I feel like I've just opened a massive confession here. So when I left that job, savings was not on my side. So there I was, out of the first job that I'd moved to Dubai for. When I initially moved as well, I moved into a hotel. As you know, South Africans, we are very fortunate with our passports. Not really. Nobody wants us. So we can't be here for very long without having to leave. So we don't do the visa runs. We don't have the opportunity to get anywhere generally without a visa. So the time was ticking. I knew that I couldn't hop over the border and back like some of my friends could. So I literally had a month or two to work out what my next move was. So moved here initially in a hotel for two weeks. A friend of mine who had a company said, I'll get you the apartment because I have faith in you, Z. And I thought, oh dear, what have I done? I've got this apartment in JBR. I've got a rent that comes up at the end of every three months. And I've just decided to leave my job. And they weren't begging me to come back because I'd left in a way where no one would be begging me to come back. So there I was. I thought, you know what? Do what you do best. I started freelancing for a bit, but again, the visa issue came up. Got another job, worked in it for just over a year as marketing director for a group. And after working 18-hour days, loving what I do, absolutely loving what I do, I thought, if I'm working this hard for someone else, what if I did the same thing for myself? Two and a half years ago, I started my company. Think Licorice is my baby. It's a PR, marketing, and events company. And the truth that probably most people don't know about it is I started that company with maybe 50 dirhams in my account. It sounded like a great idea at the time. My end of service from my previous job is what set up my licensing and paid for my first month or two of expenses. And from there, I thought, I'll leave it to the wind. And the moral of that entire story is that there's always a plan to be made. Wherever you're determined, wherever you want to do what you know you can do, something will always come from it. I'm standing in front of you today. Truth be told, not too much more than a few months ago in my account because I'm still just as bad with money. But I am loving what I do. And I think the important thing for all of you is if you wake up in the morning and you don't absolutely love where you're going and what you're doing with your time, change it. You will always be okay. I know that money is important. Don't get me wrong. I love seeing the balance up just before the 28th of every month and not seeing it down on the first of the new month. But if you're not loving it, is it really worth having it? You know, money in this city creates a perception of happiness, but it doesn't make you happy. I come from a background where we're normal, we're middle class, average family, and we were never sort of ultra wealthy or ultra poor, thankfully. But I think that's taught me that you need to have money, but you need to have happiness more. And that's when I thought of inspiration, you know, the word inspiration scares me because I work with words every day. So I know the meaning of using one over the other in a press release. And when I think of inspiration, in terms of my frame of reference, I think of people like Nelson Mandela. Very cliched, but based on my background, that's the type of person that I would consider inspirational. When I got asked to stand here, I thought, I probably can't be that inspirational, but what I can be is real and honest. And in terms of my reference and my experience, my career and my life, that's probably me being as real and as honest as I can be. Work hard, but love what you do. Earn a lot of money, but earn it in a way that you're happy to earn it. The other thing about my industry and people that work with PR people or for PR people is that there's a lot of perception. There's a perception that you need to constantly be better than the person next to you. And being someone with a tiny, I like to consider semi-successful business, um, I just thought it's worth saying, don't always look over your shoulder. Because the truth is, and specifically in a city like this, you're never going to outrun everyone. All you need to do is look in the mirror and go, am I being the best person that that person can be? Am I being better than that person was yesterday? And if your answer is yes, you're on the right track. If you're constantly looking over at the neighbor's walls and... I mean, in my, to put it into context, and some of the girls might know, if you go to an event and you go, jeez, I've got a 
improve my wardrobe. You're never going to be able to compete with everyone, but you need to be able to look in the mirror and know, when I'm competing against that person, am I better than I was a day ago? And tomorrow I want to be better than I am today. And if you achieve that, I think you're successful. It's a very difficult city to measure success in, I think. I think there's always the monetary attribution to success. And being in an industry that can be very fickle, I'll admit it, that can be very superficial, I think it's important to always be real with yourself and always keep in perspective who you are, what's important to you, and not forget that, but always strive to improve and, and, and be better than you were the day before. Um, hopefully, by the end of this, I don't sort of shatter the dreams of reaching the millions because that's not my intention. My intention is just do it in a very honest way, do it in a very real way, and do it in a way that when you get up and look in the mirror, you are happy with what you're seeing and happy to know that you're better than what you're seeing was yesterday and you'll be better the next day. Thank you very much. Thank you, Zahira. I've been very lucky that since we started the, our brand, lots of people have supported me and, and the business. There's been one particular supporter who... She says it's because where she's from, her support's always been so direct, it's like she's hit me in the face with it. She told me after the first dinner talks that she will have someone to speak for me, and they will be here on the fourth inner talks. And that's what she's done today. Andy Joseph is going to talk next. Testing. Albert Einstein once said, that one definition or a definition of insanity is doing the same thing again and again, doing the same thing again and again. My name's, good morning, my name's Andy Joseph, and I'd just like to say that I'm absolutely delighted, absolutely delighted to be here today to talk to you on Inner Talks 4. I'm from the UK. I'm 50 years old. I have a military background. I spent 24 years in the military, 19 years of which was as a military physical training instructor. Wind the clock forward to 2005. Wind the clock forward to 2005. I arrived in Dubai. I have a sports background. I've been into all sorts of sports. I've been into kickboxing, rugby. Been into lots of things. I'm also a group exercise instructor in various disciplines. And I'm also a personal trainer. But what I'd like to do today is share with you the one thing that has inspired me, the one thing that I enjoy the most in sports and physical stuff. I have been an indoor cycling instructor for the last nine years. And it's something that I am very, very passionate about. I absolutely love it. I absolutely enjoy it, absolutely love it. It's a passionate, it's the thing that I love doing the most. Now, the groundbreaking story that I would like to share with you today is the reason why I became a real rider master trainer in 2013. I was inspired by the creator of the real rider bike. The real rider bike is an unstationary bike the world's only unstationary bike that moves from side to side. I was inspired by the creator. He was a man that revolutionized the indoor cycling industry. He was a man who dared to do things differently. Let me wind back the clock a little bit, a good few years. Let me introduce you to Colin Irvin. He's an American guy. He's a semi-professional cyclist. 
He's an all-round good guy, just like you and I. He's an all-round good guy. You'd like him. He comes from a place in the States, in the United States, called Vermont. Now, those of you that may or may not know, Vermont has very, very bad winters. You know what these cyclists are like. Okay, they're absolutely passionate about what they do. It's all about time in the saddle. It's all about being out on the road. They're absolutely passionate about what they do. He was no different. He wanted a way of training throughout the season, or 12 months of the year, off-season included. Obviously, because he was in Vermont, winters are really bad. So we've got all the snow and the ice on the ground. Obviously, he couldn't train. He looked at a way to train indoors, on the uh, stationary, stationary bikes indoors. But unfortunately, those stationary bikes indoors don't have the range of movement or the correct cycling form that both Colin and other outside riders require. Obviously, this was a problem. Now, he could have sat back. He could have sat back and thought to himself, well, okay, I'll just roll with it. I'll just relax. I'll just chill. But he didn't. He identified a problem. He identified a problem and decided to take action to make a change. This brings me on to point number one, my first point this morning. If you, I, us, identify that there's a change that needs to be made, either small or big, something's personal or important to us, then we need to take action to make that change. Going back to Colin. He identified that there was a problem. He identified the gap. He decided that he wanted to create, create an indoor cycling machine that was fit for purpose, along with his goal, that was as close as possible to an outside ride. He set the goal, and he made a plan to achieve it. Going back to Colin again. For well over a year, well over a year, he slept, breathed, dreamt, 24-7, thinking about his project. How was he going to produce his creation? He spoke to outdoor cycling instructors. He spoke to fitness professionals. He spoke to lots of people to get an input into his, his creation. He used the 25 years of experience that he had, that he'd accumulated himself, to put into his project. Then finally, eventually, he was sat in his garage on the prototype. Imagine the scene now. He sat in his garage in the prototype, sat on the bike, looking at the mirror, and he's almost there. This brings me on to point number two, second point this morning. If you set, what you need to do is set the goal and make a plan. You know where your end state is going to be. You know where you want to get to. You just need to make a plan as well to achieve that. Wind forward the clock to 2008. Colin, with his creation, has finally got to the point where he wants to, he can't wait to present his creation to the public, to the general public. So he's in the States. The platform that he chose to use was the International Health and Racket and Sports Club Association Expo. Now, ladies and gents, this is, this is not a small deal. This is not a small deal. This is not small cookies. This is a big deal. This is a big event, okay, involving thousands of people, both international that come to it. He knew he had a good product. He knew he had a good thing. He could not wait to unleash it to the public. After that show, how many orders do you think were taken for his bike? Zero. Nothing. Nada. This went on for a long, long, long time. Many, many shows, many presentations, many opportunities to uh, demonstrate the bike to the public. But again, zero, 
nothing, nada. Today, today, Colin's creation is number one in the U.S. It's also in 50 different countries worldwide, used by fitness professionals, indoor cycling, outdoor cycling enthusiasts, physios, participants. This brings me on to my final point today. Point number three. Don't give up. Don't give up. Stay on track, stay on line. You know where your end state is. You know what goal that you have to achieve. Okay? You may be deviated, but come back online. In the military, we used to have a saying, no plan survives first contact with the enemy. Something happens, knocks you off, come back online, continue to your goal. This was a man that achieved his goal. He did things differently and he piloted what he believed in. In summary, identify a change and make that change. Set the goals and make a plan and don't give up. Thank you. Thank you, Andy. Again, I was unsure how to introduce our final speaker, but I'll tell you actually how I met him. I was playing rugby, and this whistle was going off super loud. I was doing something that I probably wasn't supposed to be doing. And I got up off the floor with a guy in my hand, and this whistle was still going, still going, still going. And I turned around to the referee, and I started abusing him. Because what I was doing was illegal, but I knew it was right. And this guy looked at me as though he, the referee, as though he literally was going to kill me. So I upped the ante. I started swearing at him. I was just absolutely furious that he'd blown the whistle when I was doing something that I thought I was allowed to do that I clearly wasn't allowed to do. And I got sent off. <laughs> so that was the first meeting I had with this guy. And it was a long time before... We were able to get on on normal terms. Fast forward about 12 years, and we're good friends. We're in the same industry, and I've followed Tom for, for, for a very long time, and he is super, super inspirational to me. If he doesn't talk about one thing that I won't ruin, I'll speak about it at the end. Ladies and gentlemen, Tom Wolfe. Guys, um, thank you very much for having me down. Um, before we get started, um, the elephant in the room, Marathon de Sable. Marcus, Tom, where are you? Please stand up. <laughs> Guys, I think, in theory, we should all be standing up, but I think this is the first moment to really publicly acknowledge the epic feat. Um, perhaps I should just sit down and just leave Marathon de Sable finishers, Tom Orton and Marcus Smith, on the board, and we can leave it there for today. Because uh, for me, um, I like to try and pick bold and interesting things to do, most of which I don't end up finishing. Uh, but, um, uh, yeah, for these guys, for me, uh, congratulations from genuinely from all the bottom of every bit I felt like I couldn't keep going. You see those little moments and you think, well, actually, if, if I can't be asked to go and run a 10K out in 40-degree heat today, yeah, I'm not sure how those guys managed to, to, to run across the Sahara Desert. Okay. Now, last session of this morning, bit of audience participation. So I'm going to drop this down for just a second and pass out some envelopes. There's a few pens at the front here, guys, if you're short of one. Okay. I'd like you just to grab hold of an envelope. Okay. And if you can... Just write your name on the envelope, on the front of the envelope, but please don't open it, okay? So if you've got one, if there's a few more, just pass them around. There's a few pens at the front, guys. But as, as we're going through, grab yourself an envelope and just write your own name on it and just own it for me, okay? 
And that's all I need you to do, just to write your name on the front of it. Okay? <clears throat> so when um, Mark has asked me to speak about something inspirational, it was a, a kind of a tricky one because I, I do a lot of public speaking, speak to a lot of people on a daily basis, both in business and the things I enjoy to do. But there's nothing which you ever really regard as personally inspirational. And so I tried to look at what really connects all of us together and what connects us are, are our values. And each of us, probably every single person, has one thing in the world they value the most above anything else. Okay? There's one thing that really, really gets you. And what I'd like you to do, please, is write that on the back of your envelope. Please don't open your envelope, but just write down very personally. You're not going to share your envelope with anybody else. But I'd like you to write down on the back of your envelope the one thing that matters more to you than anything else in the world. Okay? No one else is going to see it. No one else. It's not going to be shared with anybody else, guys. Okay. So, I've been very fortunate. I've been, you know, I've gone through a bit of a journey, but today is absolutely not about me. But I've had incredible success, epic failure, incredible success, and epic failure. And I suppose, for me, the one thing that has connected all the things I've done throughout life has been the ability just to drag my ass back off the floor and get back up and go again. Okay? And all of that kind of grit and determination for me has come from one person only. And that has been, for me personally, I'm sure some of but for my mother, okay, the art of uh, true grit has been instilled in me at a very young age. Okay, so first job, age nine, get out there working on a farm, earning pennies. I learned it's great. Earning cash is brilliant. But what more than that, I earned a sense of a a work ethic which is standard with me for, in all the good times and the bad times. And yet, I don't think that I have appreciated that person or the values that they have instilled in me uniformly throughout my life. In fact, to be honest with you, like most boys, I probably treated my parents pretty badly at some point in life. <clears throat> and it was only really on Mother's Day this year where it kind of all came back to me. And... Um, and over the last few years, I've probably shifted my value proposition and what I see and what I'm doing in life and, uh, and what really matters to me. But I wrote a little poem to my mother, and I'd like to just share you with this with you today, guys. And then, um, and then perhaps it might frame just the, the last piece of the conversation that we're having. And it went something like this, but I'm probably, because I'm a bit thick, not going to remember it entirely well. Okay? So it basically said, when I was four, I spent my life throwing tantrums on the floor. By the time I was 14, I could barely t keep my teeth clean, okay? But then I, I reached 24, and I thought I was Billy Big Bollocks, and I didn't need you anymore. But now that I'm 34, I realize that I need you more and more. And so, what I would say to you is that as we get to a certain point in our lives as we are all today, our values are shifting. And those things that really, really, really should matter to us probably aren't the things that really matter to us right now. Things are inevitably, as we all get older, going to get taken away from us. So what I would like you to do is, in your own time, revisit what you wrote down in that envelope, open up the envelope and have a little note, look at the note inside, and then over the next course, the next 12, 24, 36 hours, or even the next three or four months, really consider those things that, value, that you value the most, what you wrote down on that piece of paper and whether you think that is really the thing that, that you value the most in life. I thank you for your time and I look forward to catching up with you all afterwards. Thank you, Tom. What Tom didn't tell you, which because we have a little bit of time left, I'm going to tell you, is that almost two years ago, Tom set out to ride a push bike from London to Dubai. He went through all of the training, an incredible amount of training, and about a month, and raised an incredible amount of money. And about a month before he was due to set off from London, he was forced to abandon the expedition due to security issues. So that's the kind of guy he is. He 
keeps going and keeps going and keeps going. And it's a fantastic story. And if you're around at the end, I'm sure he'd be happy to tell you a little bit more about that and also about the awesome charity work that he does and where all the money went to. Just a couple of things. The next Dinner Talks will be on the 28th of May. It'll be the last one before summer. So I encourage you all to come. Before that, in two weeks' time, you're all going to get one of these on the way out. So you have to come. Tom, myself, and another gentleman, Rinat, who actually spoke at Inner Talks 3, will have an hour of Q&A about Marathon de Sable. Lots of people have asked lots of questions. I wrote a really, really long story, which I appreciate those of you that have taken the time to read it. I know it was very long, but we're going to sit up here. We're going to have someone uh, emceeing the the morning. It's going to be 8 to 9 on Thursday, the 14th of May. I encourage you to come, and I encourage you to bring your friends. If you're thinking about doing a challenge, and I encourage you all to think about doing a challenge, so I encourage you to be here. The final thing, my dear wife, Holly, who can't be here this morning because she went on a trip at 4 a.m., spent the whole of yesterday making each and every one of you a small, individually packed cookie. They're downstairs. <laughs> I hope you enjoy them. Please grab one each on the way out. But the deal is you only get a cookie if you take a flyer. Ladies and gentlemen, thanks for attending. and look forward to seeing you very soon. Thanks a lot for tuning into this episode of the podcast, and I do hope you've enjoyed it. Thanks also to those five great people that stood up and spoke for us at Inner Talks 4. Of course, if you would like to speak at the next Inner Talks event or in a future Inner Talks event, please just drop us an email, winning at innerfight.com. We'd love to have your story shared up there on the stage. Go and check out all of the talks, the YouTube version, innerfight.com slash innertalks Please also take a moment to hop over to iTunes and rate our podcast. Until next time, take care.